grab a seat. It is wonderful to be with you today. My name's Mike, and I'm one of the pastors on the team as well. And uh, you might want to grab your nose out of your handout. You know, last week we celebrated Easter. We celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it was, it was so beautiful. And, and we know that there are a lot of folks who joined us uh, maybe for the first time last weekend. And then this time, you're like, oh, I'll come back and see what it's all about. And, and if that's you, I just want to say this is actually the, the greatest, like, one, two. It's, it's such a great season for you to jump in because we're going to be talking. We're talking about prayer this series, and, and that means we're going to be talking about talking to and with God. And I'm really excited about it because anytime I end up, you know, kind of prepping for a series, I end up reading and studying and learning from all kinds of cool minds, and, and so I end up growing in, in this regard as well. When it comes to prayer, you need to know that I have been a regular practitioner of it for, you know, more than I'd, I'd say like most of my life. I mean, I, let's say at least 40 years of my life I've been a practitioner. And yet I would tell you that although I have some deep convictions about prayer and, and obviously I'm, I'm engaged in it, uh, there are many things about it that I don't understand. So you just need to know that, that some of prayer we'll be able to understand and, and figure it out. And then other parts will just it'll, it'll stay in the realm of mystery. And for some of you, that's really disheartening. But let me sort of take that off the hook for you for a second. You and I engage in things that we don't understand all the time. For example, I don't understand how an internal combustion engine works, but I still drove my car to church this morning. And, and we, we do that. We, we engage in things that we might not fully comprehend how they work. Prayer will be one of those kinds of topics for us. But let me start with the conclusion. We'll cycle back here, but, but let me start with the conclusion. The Bible, all the way through, from, from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, is filled with examples of prayer and commands to pray. So... That's where we'll land. In other words, let's, let's do that. Okay, let's be people of prayer. Let's be people who continue to develop our prayer muscles as God grows us up in this kind of practice and discipline of prayer. So, so that's where we're going to land. That's, that's where this whole thing's going to cycle back to this idea of, of prayer. But when Jesus is teaching his disciples, and by proxy, you and I, to pray, he starts with these words. He starts with the words, our Father. So this is what he says. He says, this then is how you should pray. And we should pray, and this is how. Our Father, you might want to circle those words, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, the second part of his teaching we're going to talk about next week, in other words, aligning ourselves with God's work and with God's will and participating in God's kingdom come, that's next week. Um, what we want to focus on today is Jesus' good father analogy. 
because it really does unlock everything for us. And so for some of you, I talk about a good father and instantly you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I can get there because maybe your earthly father wasn't especially good. Maybe there was uh, some serious deficiencies in that parenting style or in, in you know, either of your parents' parenting style and, and they were overbearing or they were impatient or they were, they were, they were abuses or whatever that might be. And I, I understand that I have compassion for that. But if you will just kind of do this mental exercise, you probably have a good idea of what good parenting might have been like. And if you're a parent, you have an idea of what kind of good parenting you want to participate in. And so there are sort of categories of goodness when it comes to being a good father. And what we want to do is ascribe those characteristics to God and the reason why is because it's very clear, this is Jesus' analogy that he wants really to be foundational for us. It's very clear because our Father is a good Father. Amen. Our Father is a good Father. That's the beginning place of all of this. And there are evidences of his goodness all around. And I'm talking about things like uh, the, the goodness of of all of creation. You know, the Bible says that God is love. So all of his actions then are motivated by love. His goodness is motivated by love. And I see it sort of everywhere I look, you know, uh, looking at the night sky or waterfalls or, you know, mountaintops. You're, you're looking at the sunlight sparkling on water. You're thinking about things like laughter and romance. You're thinking about the creativity that he's imbued inside of humanity, you know, so that we can prepare and enjoy eggs Benedict, or that we can figure out how to listen to Mozart on a smartphone. Like all of these things are beautiful evidences of God's goodness. And not just that, but we just celebrated Easter and the work of Jesus Christ so that we have now full access to love and forgiveness and grace and his presence in our life now and forever. Salvation offered to us. And I'm running out of breath talking about how good our good father is. So this is the starting place. And, and it says in Psalm 52, 1, the goodness of God endures continually. You might want to circle that word. It's not just intermittent, uh, you know, blips on a, on a scale. It's continuous goodness of God. And so this analogy works on our end. As we parent, if you think about if you're a good mom, a good dad, you want the very best for your children. And that is true with our good heavenly father. The next fill-in is that our good father wants confident sons and daughters. He wants confident sons and daughters. And again, his love motivates all of this. His love is what has motivated Jesus to, to accomplish what he accomplished on the cross of Calvary where he paid the price for our sin. He resurrected from the grave showing that he was God in the flesh, right? And that's that, that beautiful triune picture we have of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and through the work of Jesus on the cross, we are now adopted into his family we are adopted into his family. We cry, Abba, Father. We have this relationship now with God as his son, as his daughter. And he wants us to be confident in that relationship. Amen. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. I'm a dad. 
It's exactly what I want with my kids. It's exactly what I, I want them to be confident in who they are. I want them to be confident in the world, you know, with the tasks that they have to go after. I want them to be confident with others. But especially, I want them to be confident in their relationship with me. I want them to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are loved and they are mine and I am their father. And that is just foundational to their identity. It's exactly what God wants for his sons and daughters. He wants us confident in our relationship with him. Galatians chapter 4 verse 7 says this in the message. It says, doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God Make it plain that you are not a slave, but a child. And if you are a child, you're also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. You see, because of the work of Jesus, we're a child of God. You're a son of God, a daughter of God. And not just a child, but you're, you have this full inheritance, right? You have all of the inheritance that God has in store for us. That's yours as well. And not only that, but the scripture says there's this privilege we have, this intimate conversation that we are invited into. Friends, that's what prayer is. Prayer is that dialogue with God, that pursuing God conversationally as we seek to draw closer to him. And it can involve several things. It can involve praising him. It can involve thanking him. It can involve petitioning him, asking for requests. But always it's going to be this conversation with God that draws us closer to him. Okay, This is how we draw close to God, through prayer. One of the books I'm in right now is a book called Moving Mountains by John Eldridge. And I highly recommend it. I think it, it, there's some incredible stuff to chew on in this book. I actually would, would say that just about every John Eldridge book. I would say, hey, there's always some incredible things to, to confront yourself with. Here's what I, I just heard John speak this week, and I was listening to him say that he actually took a lot of grief for the, the chapter, the first chapter of his book, because he t entitled it Prayer That Works. And he said the reason why he took a lot of heat for this is because it seemed to reduce down what prayer is. So it seemed to reduce down what prayer is. In other words, it made it sound like prayer is getting what you want. And so if you think about that, if prayer is getting God to do what you want, something like that, whatever the equation. So prayer that works is prayer that actually gets you what you want from God. Here's the problem with that. That makes it sound like the prayer of the prodigal son at the beginning of the story. Where he says to his dad, dad, give me everything I want, but I don't want you. Right? Give me the full inheritance, but I don't want anything to do with you. And so he takes the money and he leaves. Now I want you to understand, God wants us to be confident sons and daughters, not spoiled brats. Okay, so we have to recognize that there's something deeper going on. So here's what prayer is. Prayer is the vehicle through which we draw close to God. Hallelujah. Right? He's the, he's the prize. He's the one we're drawing close to. And so we want to come to him and we want him to be the prize. And we come to him offering praise and gratitude. And then, oh yes, by the way, as we pursue you and as we're praising you, there are some burdens on our heart. There are some trials that we're facing. 
These are the temptations that, that we're coming against. And, and so, yes, we implore you to help us in this. We trust that you're a good father. But, but that is sort of secondarily born out of the relationship that we have with our good father. Are you guys with me in that? Okay. So uh, as we uh, are his beloved sons and daughters, what I want you to know is you can be honest with him. You can be authentic with God in your praise. In other words, please hear this. You don't need to edit your prayers to God. Now, in the first place, he already knows what you're thinking. So it's really an exercise in futility, right? But the idea is he is a big God. And so he can handle your frustration. He can handle your anger. He can handle the emotions that you're going through. He knows, by the way, exactly what it's like to walk a mile in your shoes. And so he can handle what that's all about. I do want to let you know that a good father delights in blessing his children. A good father delights in blessing his children. And as a dad, I, I could point to times when I, I was just delighted, the words I would use, in stoking my kids out. Right? Just, I, I, there were times I just loved to bless their socks off. And this is true with God. God loves to do this stuff every once in a while. Again, because he's a good father. He loves his children. And uh, just a really small example of that. This week, Kellen in our creative team, she was tasked with ordering some pizza for the whole team. And so she went online. She was going to order a pizza. And for some reason or another, the page would not load on her computer. So Jenny walks over and she lays her hands on the computer and she says, Dear Lord Jesus... I bring this computer under your authority. Would you please load the pizza screen? And boom, it loaded immediately. And she was like, thank you, God. You know, pepperoni. All right. And again, it's just like a wow moment. It's just like, a, oh, well, let me bless you in this moment. And, and I want to tell you that I, I, would, I, I would say that God loves those serendipitous kinds of moments where he just blesses his children. I honestly can't think of one example of God answering my prayer because I feel like over the last 40 plus years of me being a regular practitioner of prayer that there are so many that God answers prayer after prayer after prayer. And What I learned early on in my prayer life is that I needed to involve a journal. So I actually keep what would be most accurately described as a prayer journal. And the reason is because in my own head, I'm a little bit ADD, not, not horribly, but just enough to where if I'm trying to pray in my own head, it's just like bing, 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 bing. It's just all over the place. And so I actually journal my prayers to Jesus as a way of trying to communicate coherency to the Lord. And so I just, I, I keep, and I've done that for years. And so in my home office, there are about 36 filled prayer journals that, that I've just kept through the years. And if you were ever to be in my home office and you would open up one of those and thumb through, the first thing you'd notice is you are totally unimpressed with me, okay? Just unimpressed. The second thing you'd notice is that they're filled mostly with gratitude. I just learned early on that I want to start by praising and thanking God for all the stuff that he's already doing, for the, for the ways that he's already come through, the way that he's already moving in ministry or at, at Overlake or in our family or just whatever's going on. I always want to start there because here's where I've noticed that if I can start with gratitude for what he has done, it actually opens my eyes 
to give me clear insight into what he's doing right now. And so I always want to start there. And so that's just, that was for free. That's just for you. But, you know, one, one question that I've been asked, actually, I was asked this question this week, you know, pastor, what is your theological stance on does God answer a prayer for a parking spot close to the entrance, right? Raise your hand if you've ever prayed a prayer. Okay, all right. So, yeah, you know, you're, you're, it's busy and you're in a hurry. God, would you please, you know, just really close to the entrance. Now, here's the thing. Of course he can answer that prayer. Because as a good father, there are times when he delights in blessing his children and answering a prayer like that. But I also want you to know that, that God, he's about more than just answering small, trivial prayers to make your life convenient. And so there might be times when he is encouraging you to engage in and pray bigger prayers, and to get you there, he might say no to these smaller prayers. So just, in other words, he can, and yes, there are times that he does, but there is an end game that God is always moving us toward. Here's another truth I learned about prayer this week. You might want to write this down. Prayer actually changes our brain structure, the configuration of our biological brains which is amazing to me. Uh, Pastors uh, Neely and Gary pointed it out this week that a secular study had been done that takes a group, a control group, and then a group of people through an experiment where they are instructed to pray and to, to think about the goodness of God and to pray to God 12 minutes a day for six weeks. They do a brain scan at the front end. They do a brain scan at the back end. And here's what they found that the people who committed themselves to praying 12 minutes a day for six weeks, that their brain structure actually changed. They could see it on the scans. That their prefrontal cortex was actually, it was denser and there was more activity that was happening here. And what that meant was they were recognizing the compassion and the goodness and the love of God more in their life. And it was pulling their thoughts away from the amygdala which is, the amygdala, by the way, is the center of the fight or flight. It's where all of our fears and anxieties are based. So the more they were able to pray, the more they were dwelling on the compassion and the presence of their loving God, they were living less fearful, anxious lives. And check this out. They were able to offer others more compassion and grace because they were experiencing the compassion and grace of God more. So let me just cut you the chase. What this means is, this is how God has wired us. What it means is, the more you pray, the better of a Jesus follower you become. That God has designed us to be like this. So prayer actually changes our brain structure. Now, some of us might have a difficult time viewing God as a good father And the reason why you have a difficult time viewing God as a good father is because there are times when he hasn't answered your prayer or he's answered no to a prayer that you prayed. And you're like, why would a good God tell me no? You know, if he loves me, why would he tell me no? So I thought we would just spend a little bit of time right now thinking about why a good father would tell a beloved child no. Okay, so that's what the next couple of uh, fill-ins are going to be about this topic. The first reason why a good father might say no is because sometimes kids don't really know what they want. 
right? Sometimes kids don't really know what they want. And I'll just use myself as an example. My first summer out of high school, I got a job working as a waiter at Bob's Big Boy. I know, it was, <laughs> I looked awesome in that outfit, just so you know, with a nice white hat. And, and uh, so I, I'm just starting to work there. I worked a couple weeks, and, and the, the manager had me working about two days a week. And I was so excited to get my paycheck. And so finally the paycheck comes, and I open up the envelope, and I look, and it was a tiny, tiny paycheck. It was like a, a little itty-bitty baby check. It was like, it was adorable. That's how small it was. And I remember looking at the amount, and I just marched over to my manager, and I said, this is ridiculous. I said, I have to make money. I'm going to school in the fall. You have got to figure out how this works so that I can get more, you know, shifts. Like, this is not going to be okay. So he says, fine, no problem. Next day, I check the schedule, and he has booked me five days the next week. Five days. Now, the problem is, it was summertime in California. <laughs> and I had the beach, and I had surf, and I had dates, and I had friends. I had important things that I had to do. So I march over to my manager, and I said, this is ridiculous. There's no way I can work five days a week. I said, can you cut it down? Maybe do it like two days a week, something like that. And he looked at me. This is what he said. Mike, you are killing me. Right? Because I didn't know what I wanted. I thought I wanted this. I didn't want that. I, you know, and we're like that with God. God, I want that. No, I want that. No, I want that. God, what I really want is this. I actually don't really want it. I want this. God, give me more. I want more. I want a bigger platform. I want more responsibility. I, I want more influence. God, I'm overwhelmed. I, I, it's too much pressure on me. I can't. Like, like, we don't know what we want. And so how awesome is it that our good father actually withholds answering some of our prayers because he knows that's not really what we want. There's this country music singer, what's his name? You might know the song. It's I Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. Do you know this song? I, th I thank God for unanswered prayers. Um, I actually know who it is, but I have uh, a, a real theological problem quoting country music singers in church. So... <laughs> But, but that's one reason why a good father might not answer our prayers because kids don't know what they want. The next reason is sometimes kids don't want what is ultimately good. Sometimes kids don't want what's ultimately good. That, that kids want things, you know, that are selfish or that are just for our own pleasure. Um, even as adults, we crave things like attention and praise and credit. We, we, we crave things like looking intelligent, looking important, looking smart. Uh, we, we crave things like, um, you know, even distractions, new things, right? You, you know what retail therapy is. It's, it's the idea of feeling better about yourself because you've gone out and purchased something. And then we want God to provide, you know, financially so that we can practice retail therapy. And, 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 we, and yet we know when we start calling ourselves out, oh, this cannot be ultimately significant. This cannot be ultimately valuable, right? We, we recognize that we ourselves sometimes don't want what's ultimately good. In fact, if you're a parent here, I would suggest to you that there are times when you have said no to the desires of your children, not because you don't love them, but actually because you do love them. Amen. And it's because you love them that you tell them no to whatever it is that they're wanting in that moment. Scripture says this in James 4. 
Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. So again, this is one more encouragement. We are to be people of prayer, right? So we, we need to be in, involved actively in prayer. And even when you ask, he says, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So there's, there's a higher perspective, right? Sometimes what we're asking for is we just want what, what we think will make our life easy or convenient, uh, what we think will bring us pleasure, and, and God says, no, I see a better perspective. This is actually why. I just I want you to know this is the theological reason why God does not answer the lottery-winning prayer. All right, if you've ever bought a lottery ticket and you, or you've ever gone to Vegas or whatever, you, and you realize, you know, why didn't God answer my prayer? I prayed, and, it, you know, I didn't win, and this is it. Right, Because there's something better going on. There's something bigger going on. There's a perspective that God has that he wants us to get. In fact, that's the next fill-in. Our good father sees ahead in a way that the child does not. Our good father sees ahead in a way the child doesn't. You know, I want you to think about this analogy of a parade. And maybe you're in the, the middle of a block on a crowded, crowded street, all watching a parade go by. And because it's so crowded, you can only see the floats as they get right in front of you. And you can see them clearly when they're right in front of you, but you can't see them too much before they get in front of you, and you can't see them too much after they pass. You can just kind of see them right in front of you. Or maybe if you're especially tall, right, you're, you're kind of one of those tall humans, maybe like me, and you, you can kind of see over the heads of those around you, well, then you can see a little bit further down. You can see a little bit further down the block, so you know which float's coming next, and maybe the one before that, and, and you can see down a little bit, you can see kind of a little bit after they pass, and, and sort of what that looks like. And now imagine being in the Goodyear blimp, and you're looking at the same parade, and you can see everything. You can see every single float in the parade, and you can see them dismantling the floats that have already finished the parade and kind of getting the preparations for the floats that are going to be on the parade route. Like, you can see the entire thing at once, and that's God. He can see the whole thing at once. So he can see ahead in a way that we can't. And so this comes down to trust. Are we going to trust that our good Father knows what's coming? That he can see the way ahead for us. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I can think of times when I've told my kids no to their request. And the reason why I've told them no is because I've actually planned something better for them. It's like a, a kid getting told no to candy, but it's because a feast is prepared. And, and, and we have to trust that God is involved in that. In fact, I wonder if it might not change everything. Anytime God says no to a prayer that you have, what if you immediately, instead of feeling disappointed with that no, what if you immediately begin to be anticipating the good thing that God has in store for you that's better than that you, what you just asked for. In other words, if God says no to one request, you immediately begin to thank him for the better thing that he's going to bring because he said no. See, that would change everything about our relationship with God. That would draw us closer to him. That would, that would help us to trust his heart of goodness even more. Timothy Keller says this. He says, God will either give us what we ask 
Or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything he knows. Right? That, that God sees ahead and we trust him. This brings us to the next fill-in. Our good father knows all the implications. He knows all the implications. Or as I say, he knows all the algorithms. Chess, by the way, the board game chess, there are, there are many ways that the game can unfold. Mathematicians know all the potential variants of one game of chess is 10 to the power of 120. That's a lot of different ways one board game can be played. God sees every single one of them. And that's just a board game. God sees that with all of life. He sees this incredible, invisible network of how every action is somehow causal and impacts all sorts of other people and all sorts of other circumstances. We're all connected by this invisible sort of spider web, and God sees how movement here impacts the whole thing. It's like a, a rock thrown into the middle of a smooth pond, and the ripples go out, and it touches every shoreline. God sees all the implications. It should just kind of blow our minds. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible is it for us to understand his decisions and his ways. He's higher. Right? His ways are not our ways. He, he's higher. He sees more. And so this is where trust does come in. That we trust that he's a good father. That, that we trust that that he sees more than we do. And I realize that these are only some uh, reasons why a good father might say no to your prayer, even though you are a dearly loved child of his, that he might say no. But I also can really be honest in, with you in this moment and say, and I can think of some scenarios where it just doesn't apply to these reasons we've talked about, where I just can't understand why God would say no to this prayer. And so even in those moments when I'm tempted to critique God, I'm tempted to judge God, I'm tempted to evaluate his performance, I realize that's never what I'm called to. Here's what I'm called to. I'm called to say hallelujah anyway. Hallelujah, hallelujah anyway. Even when our hearts are breaking, even standing at the graveside of a funeral you just attended, of an untimely death of a, of a person that never should have died. This never should have happened. And in a, in a world that wasn't fallen, this wouldn't happen. And, and even in those moments, we are called to say hallelujah anyway. Okay? As a child, we trust our good father. Now, there are a few things that I want to uh, kind of finish our time with. that will set us up for next week. The, the next feeling is this. It's important to understand that our good father wants to include us in his work. That he wants to invite us in. He wants to include us in his good work. Oswald Chambers says, We think of prayer as a preparation for work or a calm after having done work, whereas prayer is the essential work. Right? So this is what we're called to. We're called to participate with his good work in prayer. And he likes to include us. You, you can think about it as a good father wants to include his little children in the work. You know, whether maybe you've got little kiddos and so you're like, hey, buddy, why don't you be my little helper and help me in the yard, you know. And, and you get a little uh, Fisher-Price lawnmower for your kid and he's mowing the lawn while you're doing the rider lawnmower. I don't know. But you, you're just including your kids in prayer. 
Pastor Pat told me a story this week about how his dad uh, wanted Pat to, to help him with finishing the basement. And then I, I just want you to know, help was in air quotes, to help him finishing the basement. Because his dad was really skilled at all kinds of things that were involved in finishing their basement. Pat uh, have, have none of those skills. And so his dad was helping him learn. And it's more than just sort of hammer and nail, although there was a little bit of that. But it was all things like drywalling and mudding and taping and all this. And, and so Pat was, you know, not much help, but he was there. In fact, Pat said at one point he was like talking to his dad and kind of backing up in the basement and he tripped and he fell into a five-gallon barrel of mud and he just covered himself with it and the whole floor. He thought he was going to become like a Pastor Pat statue in that moment and, and it slowed the work down and everything had to come to a halt as they cleaned that up and, and it would have been so much easier for his dad to do the work by himself, but instead he wanted to include Pat in it. He wanted to be relationally connected. He wanted Pat to learn and grow and develop in, in some of these skills. And so, so it, was a, it was a choice, and it was a choice motivated out of love. And that's what God wants for you and for, for me. You do realize God could snap his fingers and, and just take over the whole show. That God has chosen the most inefficient way possible to bring his kingdom to earth. That's to employ people like you and me to help bring it to earth. Like, like that, that's not very efficient. And there will be a day, by the way, at the culmination of history when God will, in a sense, snap his fingers and just wrap the whole thing up. But right now, what he does is he includes us in his good kingdom work. Ephesians 2.20 says, God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he's building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. So our Father is including us in his work, and the last feeling is our, our good father is growing us into strong, loving warriors for the kingdom. Growing us into strong, loving warriors for the kingdom. Karl Barth says, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. I want you to think about that for a moment. Our father God, we're his children, does he want us to remain infants? Does, does he want us to remain like toddlers in the faith? You know, just adorable, but kind of just, you know, toddling around. What does God want for his beloved sons and daughters? He wants us to grow, right? He wants us to develop. He wants us to mature. He wants us to become strong. And, and what that looks like is it looks like we're developing into loving, caring, compassionate warriors willing to bring his kingdom into this place, this fallen reality. And I know maybe it's a little hard for us to understand, and so I want you to know that, that we're going to be talking about the authority that is the Lord's, that, that Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth, and he confers that authority to us, and 
We're going to be talking about what that looks like. Again, the, the Lord's Prayer that he taught us, that we would pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we would work hard to make that a reality, that we would embrace it in our own hearts. Lord, we do want your will. We want your will in our lives. We want your will in our homes. We want your will in our families. We want your will in our neighborhoods, you know, in our workplaces, in our school. We want your will in this world. And we bring ourselves in alignment with your work. And we're going to talk about all that and the authority that Jesus brings to us next week. So you've got to come back. You've got to be a part of this whole thing. But right now, I just want you to think about that. Again, we're coming full circle now. You are a son or a daughter of a good, good father. And he loves you more than I have words to help us comprehend. It's just, it's beyond us how thoroughly he loves us, how incredibly the goodness of our good father is communicated to us again and again and again. And our prayer life begins to take off when we really embrace our identity as his child. That we come confidently before the throne of God Most High. That we come intimately. He is our Abba, Father. He's our Daddy. And we come before him and we are unedited as we process life with him. We bring ourselves to him fully. We try not to hide any of the parts that, you know, are private or icky or whatever. We just bring them all to him. Lord, this is who we are, and we want you. We want to pursue you. We want to grow closer to you. And as we do, we're free to offer our burdens, to bring our petitions, to lay down our confessions, to give him praise and honor and glory, because Jesus has provided all of this for us. Okay? So there's a, a challenge on the very bottom of your, the hard copy there. You might want to look to the very bottom. This week's challenge. Each week we'll have a challenge. This week, the challenge is to pray privately 12 minutes a day or, or longer, but just start with 12 minutes a day, focusing on the gracious goodness of our loving Heavenly Father, kind of bringing yourself in alignment with Him. All right, and we're going to do that right now, but what I want you to do is stand with me. And as you, as you stand up, we're going we're gonna to pray. And I want to say something that I hope is so foundational. I, I almost hope it's redundant this morning. But you, you do recognize that when we pray and call God our Father, that's a positional prayer. Because it identifies who we are. If God is our Father, we're his kids. And so let's pray then with that kind of confidence today. Why don't you bow your heads? And first, Lord Jesus, what we want to do is recognize that all of this is possible because of you. Because of your love, because of your work you accomplished on the cross through the resurrection, now ascending to be with our Father. You are the one that has made it possible for us to have all of our sins forgiven, to to step cleansed and clean into your ocean of grace. And, And Lord Jesus, you're the one who has allowed us now to be adopted into your family, full sons, full daughters, able to come to the throne of God Most High and say, Abba, Father, Daddy. And so, Father, that's what we want to do right now. We come before your throne 
and we are so grateful for the way in which you have loved us, the way in which you care for us, the way in which you are patient with us and still invite us into your work. For all of these things, we are so incredibly grateful. And we ask today, Lord, that you would allow us to be more confident in our identity in you. Allow us to breathe deeply your love and to know that we are your beloved sons. We're your beloved daughters. We come confidently before the throne. We know you know everything already. But Lord, what we want to do is we want to come to you, wanting you, desiring you, and pursuing you. We want to be intimate with you, Lord. And as we grow in intimacy, we ask that you would continue your good work, growing us in strength, growing us in maturity, growing us so that we can actually be real, just powerful and loving warriors for your kingdom work. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for being patient with us in the process. We pray all of these things under the authority of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.